Full reserve fallacy. There's a theory that fractional reserve banking is a fraud, allowing banks to create money out of thin air. This theory implies that honest banking must be full reserve. This theory hinges on the definition of the word bank. Rothbard makes the above argument in Man, Economy and State, but explicitly limits his definition of a bank to that of a money warehouse for money. When a man deposits goods at a warehouse, he is given a receipt and pays the owner of a warehouse a certain sum of the service of storage. He still retains ownership of the property. The owner of the warehouse is simply guarding it for him. When the warehouse receipt is presented, the owner is obligated to restore the goods deposited. A warehouse specializing in money is known as a bank. Murray Rothbard, Man, Economy and State. Banks do offer this warehousing service in the name of safe deposit. But banks are not so narrowly defined. They also generally offer interest-bearing accounts, such as saving deposits and term deposit. Rothbard uses the expectation of interest to differentiate warehousing money from lending it. Someone else's property is taken by the warehouse and used for its own money-making purposes. It is not borrowed since no interest is paid for the use of the money. In other words, his call for full reserve does not apply for interest-bearing accounts. However, he neglects to point out that interest earned on the money represented by deposits can legitimately offset otherwise necessary account fees. Banks often offer demand deposits, for example checking accounts, without interest. The fact of positive yield on the account is not the demarcation between warehousing and lending, even by his own definition. Where a bank account yields 5% at a fee rate of 6%, no distinction from 0% yield with a 1% fee rate exists. The distinction is the contractual agreement between depositor and the bank. Since it is convenient to transfer paper in exchange rather than carry gold, money warehouses, or banks, that build up public confidence will find that few people redeem their certificates. Money certificates representing warehoused money are representative money, a form of money substitute. In the United States, state banks and others formally issued such certificates. These were eventually replaced by central bank-issued gold certificates and silver certificates. The banks will be particularly subject to the temptation to commit fraud and issue pseudo-money certificates to circulate side-by-side side with genuine money certificates as acceptable money substitutes. The fact that money is a homogeneous good means that people do not care whether the money they redeem is the original money they deposited. This makes bank frauds easier to accomplish. To the extent that central bank certificates ever represented all of the warehoused money, for example gold and silver, they eventually followed the course described by Rothbard. As the sum of certificates became too large to support redeemability, they were abrogated and people were compelled to convert them to fiat. These large-scale frauds occurred in the lifetimes of both Rothbard and his precursor von Mises, and were perpetuated by state and central banks under the protection of statute, that is, the state. The theory does not limit its condemnation of banking to warehousing, safe deposit fraud. It extends to honest lending of deposits by banks generally, including demand deposit, saving deposit, 
and often term deposit. As such, the theory is invalid. Furthermore, it implies a condemnation of lending and investing in general. And as Rothbard himself points out, lending is indistinct from investing. Whether saved capital is channeled into investments via stocks or via loans is unimportant. The only difference is in the legal technicalities. Indeed, even the legal differences between the creditor and the owner is a negligible one. All lending originates from a person's accumulated capital, whether deposited in bank or otherwise. There is no source for lending other than savings deposited. There's a related theory that people are too stupid to understand contractual terms of deposit. Puerto de Soto considers the possibility that a certain group of bank customers, or for the sake of the argument, all of them, enter into a deposit contract aware and fully accepting that banks will invest, or loan, etc., a large portion of the money they deposit. In this case, argues Huerto de Soto, the supposed authorization from the depositors lacks legal validity, because few laypersons understand the instability inherent in fractional reserve banking. They believe their deposit is guaranteed, which Huerto de Soto considers a near-universal misconception. Wikipedia, Jesus Huerta de Soto. Yet those who make this argument believe themselves able to understand it. As such, the theory is invalid. Given the moral distinction of non-aggression, it is the right of every individual to contract with another voluntarily. Taking this right away would be a crime. Reference to the unbanked generally assumes the vast number of people do not have access to banking services. This is generally not the case. Banking is widely available all over the world. These are the people who understand the risks and choose not to take them. A related theory is that money substitutes trade at the same value as the money, representing a fraud. To the extent that money substitutes, for example deposit accounts, are insured by the taxpayer, the discount against the money they substitute is lower. However, even given full insurance, it is an error to assume these trade at par with the money. Money substitutes manifest as deposit accounts and are generally transacted electronically. Settling money accounts incurs time, money and risk costs. Credit card and check fraud is rampant, and this cost is surfaced in all transaction and account fees. Settling can take days, if not months. Merchants necessarily discount money substitutes against money. Even electronic transfers directly between banks incurs a material settlement cost. Banks are charged a gross transfer fee of $82 for every transaction. However, there is a three-tiered discount schedule, which results in actual transaction fees costing between $0.3.4 and $0.82 per transaction, depending on transaction volume. This is why businesses are cash-only. Others do not accept checks. Others charge a premium to offset the discount, and why there are ATM fees, etc. As such, the observation that money substitutes are not discounted is refuted by a mountain of evidence to the contrary. More importantly, this discount is provably necessary, invalidating the theory. A related theory is that bank lending creates price inflation as a consequence of credit expansion. 
given that lending and money have necessarily evolved together, there is never a time where credit expansion itself changes the level of money substitutes. This requires either an expansion of the money supply or a reduction in time preference, reflected as the economic rate of interest. Credit expansion is strictly a function of these two factors, not lending itself. As such, the theory is invalid. A related theory is that banks may legitimately lend only their own money. All capital lent is someone's savings. If anyone can run a bank, that is borrow against their own savings and lend it to others, then this is a distinction without a difference. Aggregating savings with other people, that is through bank deposits, does not create any meaningful distinction. As such, the theory is invalid. A related theory is that banks may legitimately lend only against time deposits. There is no economic distinction between a time deposit and a demand deposit, as both imply fractional reserve. The nature of deposit, even safe deposit, implies that time and other constraints, for example identification, are required for withdrawal. Even taxpayer-insured checking and savings accounts are effectively time deposits. For all savings accounts and all personal interest-bearing checking accounts, we reserve the right to require seven days prior written notice of withdrawal, Chase Bank Deposit Agreement. Default risk and credit expansion remain despite maturity matching. As such, the theory is invalid. The only true demand deposit is no deposit at all, money. And of course, people have this option and that of time deposits to the extent they prefer it. A related theory is that banks may legitimately lend only against fully insured deposits. However, the only true risk-free return is no return. This is why only taxpayers insure loans, that is, through compulsion. Full insurance is economically equivalent to no lending whatsoever, making the theory a contradiction and therefore invalid. A related theory is that even free banking has an inherent ability to create money out of thin air. Yet if this is true, then anyone can do so, since free banking confers no special powers on people who refer to themselves as banks. If money can be created at no cost, it cannot be property. As such, the theory is invalid. Even state fiat incurs a production cost, a cost to maintain its monopoly on production, and a political cost of monetary inflation. Free banking, such as with gold or bitcoin, enjoys no senior-rush privilege, due to the nature of competition. Finally, it is often the case that people advocating for full reserve lending are the same people advocating for lower time preference. This is a direct contradiction as the former implies infinite time preference.